for this moment, but I'm glad nothing did. We've had incredible adventures so far, with a lot more to come. A friend saying it all means nothing when you're not here, and it's true. Wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for you. From the first time I said it until the last chance I get, I will love you with my heart and my head. Laughter, love, and commitment. What else could we need? A lifetime of smiling for us before we go to sleep. You say that no one is perfect. To me, you are, and I know from now. Till my dying day, wanna be yours. From the first time I said it, until the last chance I get, I will love you with my heart and my head. So from the first time I said it, until the last chance I get, I will love you with my heart and my head. From the first time I said it until the last chance I get, I will love you with my heart and my head. So from the first time I said it until the last chance I get, I will love you with my heart. That's Thunder Bay-based singer-songwriter Jean-Paul Deruva with My Heart and My Head from his latest album. The album is entitled Love. It is actually part of what has been described to me as a two-album set, Love and Then Loss. Now, we're talking about love just now. Uh, we're going to talk about loss a little later. John Paul Deruva is my special guest. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Folk Music Ontario <laughs> Conference for Folk Roots Radio. I think I probably should give everybody a little bit of context because it's now Saturday morning, which mm-hmm. means there's been the first night of late night showcases, which means the interviews that I have planned today, I'm never quite sure how together my guest is going to be. I mentioned at the start of this interview, John Paul Deruva is from Thunder Bay. I've met him before. He joined me in the studio with the wonderful band Greenbank to provide some harmony vocals when they joined me a few years ago for an interview. A, very fun interview with some live songs. So I know this guy's a stalwart. This guy 
manages to do late nights and get up early mornings. And the reason I want to mention this now is because when in a few seconds he says, well, I'm not really sure about that, Jen. We'll know that actually he's doing good. John Paul Deruva, it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Fogbrook's radio today. I'm just excited to be here again. Thank you very much. How is your conference going? <laughs> it's great. I mean, uh, the FMO conference is something that I, I get to attend every year. Uh, and I'm, I'm very thankful to be able to to come uh, on behalf of uh, Live from the Rock Folk Festival, of, of which I'm the artistic director, but then also to, you know, double dip and uh, bring my artist hat as well and uh, share some of my songs. Which is, is very important, obviously. You know, you released Love earlier this year. You want to get out as many opportunities to, you know, play it, talk about it, uh, talk about everything else that's coming forward. Absolutely. Uh, it's the first time that I've put out an album that's sort of directed to a folk community. Uh, whereas before, I was always, you know, dabbling in different genres and stuff like that. So now this is an album that kind of makes sense. You know, I can hand it to, you know, uh, someone at Home Roots and be like, see, I can play acoustic, just acoustic. <laughs> Which makes it tricky because, you know, from my point of view in radio, I love talking to people who, you know, have these diverse interests. You know, they, they can play, I mean, you play, your music has been described as, you know, a little bit of pop, a little bit of rock. You know, this album, Love, is, is, is very much an acoustic album, but I know when we were talking earlier, you, you told me about, you know, I'm not going to give the game away by saying anything <laughs> about the next album yet, but, you know, that you, you really like to mix it up. But it, it's challenging, isn't it? Because you come to a conference like this and you're a presenter yourself, but there are presenters from other festivals and other series that really have a very good idea of what they want. And it makes it a harder sell from your point of view, doesn't it? For sure. And uh, something I was very conscious of is uh, in the past, my albums have been like a, a variety of, of genres within the album. But now I still have that variety. But now I've kind of focused each album to be its own uh, collection as opposed to mixing it up within the album format. Now each album itself will be a focus on whatever, whatever, uh, whatever I'm feeling at that point in time. Let's turn the clock back before we actually start talking about the the album and your music, because you live in Thunder Bay, you were born in Thunder Bay, but I think you actually spent a lot of your time overseas when you were growing up. I did. So I, like you said, I was born in Thunder Bay at McKellar Hospital, which I now live uh, a block away from. But uh, as soon as I was born, my family uh, moved back to Africa where we were living. Uh, we went, we lived in Niger, Lesotho, Malawi, and then uh, eventually that's more traveling. My mother was an international school teacher and my dad used to work for a division of the United Nations called FAO, Farming and Agricultural Organization. And between the two of them, kind of depending on who got the contract first, we'd move to whatever country would make sense for them uh, to, to find work at. And then the other one would kind of follow suit. So we, we moved around a lot. Pakistan uh, for six months while my dad was working in Afghanistan, moving to Bolivia and Chile for five and a half years. But eventually moved back to Canada in 2001, where we had a family home. And uh, I've, I've been back in Canada ever since. So having that sort of multicultural upbringing, that must really help as a creative artist, doesn't it? To have that sort of breadth uh, to your development? Absolutely. So in, for me, I find that it was very important because I now have... It's not that you know I'm able to bring African rhythm to my song or or Spanish language, but I definitely bring an openness to experimentation and genre blending if possible. So it's it's not like you can hear oh I can hear the sound of Pakistan from when he was you know in grade four coming into his music, but 
that openness, that willingness to experiment, that uh, the desire to do something a little different that may not be the same as someone who grew up in the same hometown, never leaving you know city limits for most of their life. That's 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 one of the big differences between myself and a lot of folks here in Canada. Except also, I think the fact that I mean, you're you're a composer, right, as well as a, yes. a singer songwriter. You know, if you're scoring for you know other media, I guess there there must be a, a real opportunity to to spread. I mean, you 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 mentioned earlier, you know, you don't like to be constrained by genre, although you are happy in certain situations to to create an album like Love. When you're composing, a lot of that will depend on who asked you to do something or whether or you know what project you decided you want to bring forward yourself, right? Absolutely. And that's that's one of the beauties of of doing that kind of work is that it can be anything. So you might get work doing a documentary about a particular part of the world. So now you've got to do some research and study that particular style and find ways to make that work while at the same time making sure that you stay true to yourself as an artist so that you still have your spin on it, right? So that, okay, now you're going to do a sound. Um, I, d I worked on a film that was Wonders of the Arctic, uh, an IMAX film, a bunch of years ago. And so I was working under a composer here in Toronto. Uh, I'm in Batia, and one of the contributions that I had was that I had, I had, had this experience up in, up in Nunavut for a little while, so I was able to help convince Tanya Tagak to be a part of the soundtrack. One of the coolest parts of that project was that her and I did some throat singing back and forth on one of the tracks. And so then to be able to, you know, talk about spreading your wings musically, <laughs> there's nothing cooler than, you know, doing something like that with someone who would eventually win the Polaris Prize. Oh, and I guess, and, you know, and, and as much as, as you mentioned, I mean, Love is, a, um, it, it is an album, you know, we'll, we'll get into the, the songs and, and the, the focus of the album shortly, but as far as actually the type of music on the album, I mean, you really wanted to, to create something that would appeal to, you know, a folk audience and, and, and folk presenters. Through my immersion in this, in this community over the past, you know, eight, nine years, whatever it is, that was something that was important to me because I've been uh, involved in this community more and more. I'm now in my third year as artistic director for a folk festival in my neck of the woods. So finding a way to, to you know, immerse myself in this community a bit more and then have something that's representative to show people instead of look at this live looping album that may not, you know, that might scare some people away because of the use of electronics. While a lot of folkies are really open to things, I wanted to make sure that I had something that was a bit more in line with uh, with what people were looking for. So when you said it's you know something that people could in, in, in enjoy and get into within this community, that was definitely uh, at the forefront of my mind was finding something that would appeal to this demographic that would fit you know within the confines. But I guess also the opportunity to to try and you know get people to spread. One of the things that I I, I would say this for myself. I mean, when I started to get really involved in folk music i i don't really i don't think i really had a, a good feel of of the breadth of of musical expression that appears as folk now once you start going to festivals on a regular basis and you can certainly make an argument that mm -hmm. those festivals are trying to to cater to as broader a population as possible but it's also the fact that you know folk being music of community wants to show people all of the musical expressions that exist within that community mm -hmm. and like at a folk conference you know you you will go to showcases where people do incredible amounts of looping. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have had people, you know, rapping at a folk conference because the actual type of music they do still fits and it's definitely still music of community. We're going to get back into the album shortly. 
But let's talk about that first song, My Heart and My Head. It is from the album Love. Um, this is, I think, a very important song for you. It really is. My wife and I had uh, this ongoing joke for many years that she would say, I love you with my, with my whole heart. And I said, well, my heart doesn't think. I love you with my head. <laughs> and so it kind of bothered her a little bit because I, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't a fully reciprocal statement. You know, I love you with all my heart. Uh, I love you with my head. It didn't, didn't sound right when, when you actually say it to somebody. Well, when we got married five, five and a half years ago now, we actually wrote our own wedding vows to one another. And then at the end of it, I, I ended up uh, taking our two, our two wedding vows, combining them and turned them into this song. So I took our, our actual wedding vows. And so one verse is mine, the second verse is hers, but then the chorus I wrote as well. And uh, yeah, it became, it, we ended up turning it into a song that kind of reflects, you know, uh, our love to one another. So this is the first song on the album. The album is called Love. Does that mean that maybe, was it one of the first songs you wrote when you were creating this, bearing in mind that you wanted to, to, to focus on different aspects of that subject? The writing process for this album was kind of different. Uh, so the, the concept for the album came much later. Since my last full-length album, which was 2013, I took a bit of time off to do some, to do some writing, and I was fortunate enough to be supported by the Ontario Arts Council to do some writing. But I've been focusing on a project called Art versus Industry, where I was looking at the commercial side of music versus what I had to do to pay the bills. So the fact that I was, you know, focusing on writing songs that could have a financial life to them, you know, through sync licensing or something like that, versus something that I just wanted to do because I thought it was cool. So I was struggling with that idea of like, okay, what at what point do I have to sell out, so to speak, and you know, start writing jingles and have to do that. But at the same time, you know, I also run a studio, so that's kind of paying the bills a little bit, but it takes away from my own artistic practice. That idea of art versus industry eventually morphed into the, the two different styles that I had been writing. Because I've been writing for, you know, many years at that point, I started to notice rifts. So I, I had, I'd written the equivalent of a full country album when I was working on a soundtrack for something. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not really going to do, do anything with that right now. But I have all these acoustic songs and I have all of these heavy songs. So the acoustic songs was a bit of a, a, a writing practice for me because my style has always been a little bit on the darker side. Uh, melancholic writing, sad lyrics. And even though people have always uh, interpreted my music as uplifting and uh, very exciting and positive, because it's often been packaged that way. So like uh, very upbeat, you know, very, very happy, positive sounding. The lyrics are usually always dismal. <laughs> so... For myself, this was a real exercise in to see if I could write music that was positive and not have it be cheesy because that was something I always struggled with is anytime I'd write a love song or something positive, it always had to have a dark twist or some sort of angle to it that made it a little bit darker. So now I just wanted to write something that was strictly positive. So I focused on my own uh, new little family to, to start with. This first song, My Heart in My Head, is literally my wife and I's wedding vows, and I thought that was a great place to start. Uh, it wasn't necessarily the first song written for this collection, but when it came time to assemble it all together, I thought there's really no other way to start than, you know, five years ago, what, uh, what was going through my mind. And I think the next song we're going to play is the second song on the album, which is I Do Anything, and mm -hmm. that is a song that's also very dear to you, because I think that's for your son, right? It really is, yeah. And... Um, so the first couple of tracks have this bit of a trajectory to it. And so, you know, first one, we get married. 
actually in real life within two weeks of, of getting married, we bought a house. Uh, and uh, then a couple of years later, we had our, our first kid. So one of the opening lines uh, of this next song, I Do Anything, people have often misinterpreted it as uh, a reference to the band Green Bank because it references, uh, you gave me a call down in Mexico to tell me that we would soon be a trio. People are like, oh, that must have been when you got the call to hear that you're going <laughs> to be the <laughs> joining the band. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it's, it's actually what happened is I was on tour in Mexico playing some looping festivals. I got this this message, and we we had a, uh, my wife and I had a FaceTime uh, uh, chat where we just kind of stared at one another as she showed me, you know, the uh, the pregnancy test. Mm. And so my son, who the song is about, he loves this song because uh, there's a line about uh, I sat down beside a fire hydrant, and so he calls it the fire hydrant song. <laughs> so he he's come to like my CD release show in Thunder Bay and stuff like that. He's only two and a half, and he just runs around the room and just you know, sings out Fire Hydrant. And, and he's actually started singing some of the words of the songs now, which is amazing. Is he but a good critic? He is an absolutely wonderful critic because he's blatantly honest. So do you want to hear that song again? No. <laughs> but uh, uh, later on, uh, he also requests certain songs too. So uh, there's a song we'll, we'll be talking about later, and he calls that the Mummy Daddy song because it's a duet. Let's listen to that song just now. This is Jean-Paul Deruva with I Do Anything from his great new album, Love. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio at the Folk Music Ontario Conference. And I'm Jan Hall. You gave me a call down in Mexico Tell me that we would soon be a trio I just need a moment of silence Sat down beside a fire hydrant I'd do anything, anything, anything I wish we could make believe Standing, spinning, singing you to sleep There was no one else around As your cool became a meltdown I'd do anything, anything, anything If I could hold you close every single day I'd never let you go Trying to be the best For those that I keep closest to my chest My peers don't understand me They try to reprimand me They just don't get that I do anything, anything If I could hold you close every single I never let you go I want you with me right here To me you're everything You're my sun and moon I'd do anything Yeah, I would do it 
That's Jean-Paul de Rouveau with I Do Anything from his new album, Love. Jean-Paul is our special guest in the studio at Folk Music Ontario today. I think he had a late night, but he's actually doing pretty well. We're having a pretty <laughs> interesting conversation about the new album, Love, and his music. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about a lot of the people at a conference like this and why I love it is you get to sit down and learn so much more about them than, you know, not just the album, because... There is a lot more to a lot more complexity to everybody in life. Let's be honest, and and often we, you know, with the nature of things, we tend to just scoot on the surface and don't actually get a chance to to actually learn more about the individual. So I'm really enjoying this conversation, uh, John Paul. John Paul, what I would like to do now is to talk about the making of the album. Sure. Um, you know, you uh, you know, singer songwriter composer. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you brought the people together to make this. So because of the fact that it is a stripped down acoustic album, it was actually much easier because obviously uh, I, I reduced the, uh, the number of musicians uh, in premise. In my mind, when I started, I said, okay, this is going to be very stripped down. We recorded uh, the, uh, the principal acoustic guitars in a lovely church in Thunder Bay. And then I did all the, the overdubs and everything else at my own home studio. And so I thought very easy, very straightforward, you know, limited, uh, I put myself into, I gave myself some very hard parameters, but then I also produce and stuff like that. So it slowly started to become a bit more elaborate here, there. So then, okay, well then we added a drummer who's a good friend of mine, uh, Dennis Dunphy. And then I, okay, so I played, I played bass. Okay. So that's good. Um, but then it started to be like, well, you know what? This song could really use fiddle. This song could really use this. And then I started bringing in a harp myself and <laughs> so it slowly started to creep into my my usual production style which is a bit more um elaborate but uh, some of the other key players uh on the first track my heart in my head you heard uh the violin of rain hamilton amazing performer and we've known each other for a number of years now when she was uh traveling through thunder bay for uh an event i just said come over to my house for dinner and i'll uh, i'll feed you and give you a little bit of cash and would you want to do some uh some violin on this song and she graciously agreed, and so she she did the solo on that track. Uh, there's another song on the album that was done by Adam Iredale Gray, and uh, who plays in the band Aerialists, uh, formerly of Fish and Bird, and a band who I've enjoyed for many years. Uh, we played together at different festivals over the years, and so there's all these different little guests that I was able to kind of bring in, and then obviously my wife joined me for a duet on a song as well. Uh, yeah, it was just it was nice to be able to bring in some some key people. Uh, to, to participate in the record, in, in, even though it was something that was meant to be a bit more stripped down. And I think your wife duetted on the song we were about to play, didn't she? she did. I can't sleep. Yeah, the Mummy Daddy song. Yeah, yeah so tell us a little <laughs> bit about the Mummy Daddy song. So that song, I, I originally wrote it as uh, a sad song because it was about being away from the one that you love. And the life of a touring musician is that you're often spending many nights at a time you know, uh, in an empty bed. And that's just the reality of traveling. So it was originally written about, you know, that, uh, that feeling of missing your significant other. Then we had a child 
So then all of a sudden the context of I can't sleep changes a little bit. <laughs> so then towards the end, uh, so it starts off as a song about between two people, but then eventually becomes a song about three people. And so I thought uh, that was a nice little touch. And then, uh, you know, bringing her into the fold. And she, she's a, she used to sing in an all-girl punk band uh, called Jerkbait, which she hates that I reference all the time. But I thought it was one of the coolest things because we went to the same high school, but she was a little bit older than me. And our bands played shows together. And so I thought it was always like, it was just, she sang in an all-girl punk band. That's, that's awesome. I was in a punk band at the same time too. So it was, it was just this cool thing. And then years later, many years later, we ended up, you know, together and now having, having a child together. So any chance I get, I like to reference her, <laughs> her high school punk band. But um, yeah, so as, as, a, as a vocalist, she's always done lots of different things. And I always kind of pull her back out of retirement every time to, to come and sing whether it's you know with me at a at a house concert in Germany or something like that, or or the album doesn't matter. Let's listen to that song just now. This is Jean Paul Deruva with "I Can't Sleep" from his great new album "Love." You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. I just want you here 
can't sleep without you No, I can hardly breathe I can only hope That it means you are meant to be with me That it means you were meant to be with me That it means we were meant to be with That's Jean-Paul Deruva with I Can't Sleep from his new album, Love. We're at the Folk Music Ontario Conference. Jean-Paul seems to have it all together today, which is obviously shows he is somebody who is used to being on the road, used to traveling, used to managing his time, and accepting that, yes, late nights and early mornings can have to uh, go together every now and again. What I'd like to do now is to try and steer the conversation to the other side of love, because, you know, you uh, love is an album of, of songs that reflect on different aspects of, of that subject, but you also have an album of loss, the interesting thing in the conversation we had last night when we were setting up this interview was you said, well, you know, and I said, well, what's loss about? You said, oh, well, it's a lot of heavier songs and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and instrument, instrumentationally wise as well. I mean, that, you know, love is an acoustic album. Loss, I think, is not going to be anything like that. Is that right? No, I mean, there are, there are threads that kind of carry through both albums. So while love's an acoustic album, there is a song or two that deal with the loss of love on that record. And much like that on the Lost album, there are a song or two that, you know, really speak to the love that we feel because then there is always a bit of love within loss and a little bit of loss within love. And the juxtaposition of the two being back to back on an album really makes you feel the loss more once you've loved it. You know, the Lost album is infinitely heavier in the sense that the instrumentation has changed, like you said. So, now I'm playing electric guitar the entire record. There's a couple of songs that have acoustic moments, but it's an electric guitar driven full band with heavy orchestral elements. And it is basically my version of a metal album. <laughs> I, I, I say my version because uh, people that are really into the metal world will be like, well, it's, it's more of like a hard rock, heavy rock alternative thing. But in my mind, it feels like this is this is probably as, as metal as I'm ever going to get. Well, you have a pretty strong pop sensibility, so I would have thought that um, you're not going to lose that. I mean, this kind of <laughs> reminds me a bit of a Ryan Adams thing, because, you know, his solo albums initially were very acoustic, and then he really decided to, to ramp it up for a while and, and mm. you know, shock everybody with a, a rock and roll <laughs> album. Um, you know, and, and a lot of artists have done that. Uh-huh. I guess with the the fact that you you have such diverse interests and you you know you're interested in you know you're a composer as well you have a, a lot more to think about i can see down the road that you know maybe when the um the legacy edition of this album comes out maybe <laughs> love and loss will come out together well that's the plan is that uh, each album is is coming out individually on on cd and and digitally of course but uh together they will be uh, two vinyl records that live together because the album artwork for both records were shot at the same time it's almost the exact same album artwork an aerial shot of a bed of a bedroom scene and but one represents love in the sense that you see both sides of the bed unturned and like people have clearly just gotten out of bed and started their day whereas lost you can see one side of the bed is still nicely tucked in uh it's kind of alluding to a couple of different things but it's it's not just musically heavy but 
with and I think to do with the theme of loss, it's it's emotionally and lyrically heavy, which is harkening back to my usual writing style, which is a bit more uh, a bit more of a downer. But loss isn't just it's not it's not an album about death. There is a little bit of death in there for sure, but uh, it's about like the loss of uh, of autonomy through work. It's about the loss of opportunity, the loss of you know where you imagine your life is going. So the loss of future. But a big part of it was the the fact that a family member of mine uh, had her son and husband drown in an accident a couple of years ago. And it was it was so vivid to me because I remember that I got the phone call from my uncle at the time, and then I was responsible for relaying the message to multiple family members that night. And I mean, I've never hugged my son that hard in my life. So I wrote a song called "There's Been an Accident," and that was kind of that was definitely a song that that you know the rest of the album kind of revolved around that's that's definitely the emotional pinnacle of that of that record whereas on the love album there's you know that the, one of the big highlights is you know like getting married and having having a son that was kind of like the the emotional high versus the emotional low and so i wanted to have something that worked really well so the last song on love starts to get a bit more heavy in instrumentation so there's big big huge drums towards the end of it and a bit more electric guitar which leads us into the Lost album, which ends with a song that is somewhat acoustic. Again, being able to bring us full circle. For those people that ever listen to CDs on repeat, <laughs> they'd be able to kind of cycle back through and realize that it's all one, you know, one big playlist. Well, and especially when you're talking vinyl, because you know, although you've obviously vinyl's a two-side product already, you could mm-hmm. have a, a loud and a soft side on a double album. You can have a an acoustic album and then and then putting out something that's a little heavier. But as you say you know, comes around at the end. Am I right in thinking that the songs for the Lost album are already recorded as well? Recorded, mastered, uh, manufacturing is happening in the next few weeks. So when are you anticipating releasing that one? I had lofty goals for doing it in the fall, but it's likely that it's going to be uh, beginning of the new year. Interesting. We'll definitely look forward to that. Can we talk about the live show? I, I guess sure. live shows depend on where you are and you know, if you're traveling, probably they're going to be more solo. But if you're yeah. close to home, then maybe band band shows. Yeah, so I actually uh, I had a, a show in Thunder. I, I've always people have known me for years as the live looping one man show, and which I certainly still do, and it's been a huge part of my career for twelve years. But with the focus of the the Love album, I've been doing a lot more of just strictly acoustic performing, which has been really liberating because you know you're not glued to a, a click. You're not. Uh, you know, having to deal with maintaining a relationship with the technology that you're performing with. It's a lot more organic and freeing. If you go off the rails and you want to stop the song for a second to talk and share a little, an anecdote, you can do whatever you want. In Thunder Bay, I actually just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of my first full-length record a couple of weeks ago. So I assembled a band, which was incredible because some of the musicians I chose, two of them had been really touched by that first album 10 years ago one of the guys had started music because of that album. So it was a really touching uh, moment to have, you know, some of these young performers with me on stage to play something that had been a huge part of their musical upbringing. And then obviously a big part of mine, uh, the original um, engineer on the album played bass. He was there as well. So it was nice to have this kind of collection of people, young and old playing on, on the collection of songs, but that, you know, reinvigorated my, my, uh, my want to do some more, more things with the live band. I'm starting to assemble uh, an ensemble right now for this new heavy album as well. I mean, it's going to take a lot of preparation, a lot of rehearsal. It's infinitely more complex than just a couple of uh, guitar chords 
and uh, some shuffle drums. So we're getting ready for that again, again for the new year. Hopefully, play a couple of shows as that ensemble in Thunder Bay and area. And uh, if everything goes well, hopefully, we'll do a little like a you know a tour or two uh, elsewhere in the country. And then, uh, but yeah, the, the the Lost album is going to be a definite challenge because of the fact that it does have a heavy orchestral element, and it's just a uh, it's a bit a much larger project. So it's going to be a challenge to tour, regardless, no matter which way you slice it. Are any of those songs? going to be suitable to be stripped down and played acoustically i mean i would imagine i'm sure that you've considered that yeah there's there's a couple there's a couple that will work and there's one song that was kind of i don't want to say a leftover because it makes it seem like it was discarded but there's an there's a song that's been recorded for two al- previous albums that was cut each time because it didn't make sense it, the, it, it didn't fit with the, the other the rest of the collection of songs so now finally it has a home on this heavier album and that song i've been performing for seven eight years now mm. the heavy album there's some songs that have you know guitar riffs that have been in play since 2006 so <laughs> I, I was really digging deep from the catalog and finding parts of songs that you know didn't have a home that you know were much heavier and aggressive and didn't make sense with anything i was doing at the time so now they finally have a a self-indulgent place to live <laughs> it sounds like the great projects and again you know Obviously, I love doing what I do because I, I like to learn more about, you know, not just what's going on in front of me, but all of the other things people do. If people want to learn more about your music, how can they do that? Uh, my website is a great resource, uh, com. It's a, it's a mouthful, but I'm sure um, people listening can find the links uh, written out somewhere. <laughs> uh, but the website is a great place of, of course, uh, social media like Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, stuff like that. Just a simple search for my name. YouTube's got a lot of live performance videos, including we did a five-video shoot of songs from the Love album where we we set up in a friend's family cabin uh, for a day and we recorded you know even more intimate versions of the acoustic songs, just acoustic guitar, no other production, no no percussion, no backing, no harmonies, no no nothing, just voice, acoustic guitar, and a microphone, and we recorded five songs from the album in that kind of context and filmed it and uh, we've been releasing those every couple of weeks and it's, it's been nice to, to get people's responses because I feel like people need a visual nowadays it's hard to release music just on its own and have people enjoy it I mean radio you can understand I mean, we've got a camera here now <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it, it is well we all need to mix it up which is is the interesting thing you know and I, I thought you were you know speaking like a true presenter when you said yeah well you know we are making different versions of the video because hmm. you know here's a picture of me playing you know solo acoustic mm-hmm. uh here's something you know with me playing more with a you know a, a a band or a trio setup or something like that which would please everybody i did want to give you just a couple of seconds to talk about live at the rock sure uh, you're involved there just tell us a little bit about the festival and the opportunity to pitch to our listeners about why they should be thinking about every now and again popping up to thunder bay absolutely so uh live from the rock book festival is located in red rock ontario which is an hour and a and some change east of thunder bay and it's a lovely little town lovely little village uh right near nipigan ontario we're a smaller festival, less than 2,000 people. We've got a main stage and four workshop stages, but we don't have marquee names. That's one of our things that we're very proud of is the fact that we don't book mega stars. We're booking your next favorite band that hopefully we're not going to be able to book anymore because they're on their way up. I mean, we're able to bring in some some heavy hitters that are crowd favorites, which is great. That's one of our things is that we're, we're a much smaller festival and we want to have people that 
um, you know, we're a camping festival, like a lot of festivals are, but the camping is performers are right in the thick of it with, with everyone else. So, you know, you're waking up next to your neighbor that knows exactly what time you went to bed last night. <laughs> um, you're sharing songs and then, you know, walking with your new best friend to the next uh, location for your next workshop. For performers, it's an incredible place to play because we're on a beautiful location. We're right on a lake. The scenery is gorgeous. We take care of the performers really well in terms of food and stuff like that. But as, a, as an attendee, it's wonderful too because you get to go up the, uh, the North Shore of Superior. And if you've never tr- taken that drive before, it's absolutely stunning. People enjoy like going to the Muskokas from Toronto, stuff like that. That's nice. But if you actually make, make it to the very North Shore of Lake Superior, it's that drive in and of itself is very, very lovely. Uh, plus, then you get to hang out with uh, with us and the musicians that we book for the festival and uh, have, a, have a wonderful time. That sounds like a good pitch. Definitely something <laughs> for people to think about. We have one thing left to do, and that's pick the final song. What's okay. it going to be? Uh, there's a song on the Love album uh, that was very... Actually, it's, it's, it's a really interesting tie-in. I was, I was on tour with the band Green Bank in St. Andrews, New Brunswick, a bunch of years ago. And we were playing at a place called the Red Herring. When we were, when we were there, uh, the, the guys had gone to a, a friend's house just down the road uh, to, to have, have a drink or two. And I was sitting there enjoying my, my comped meal at the bar right before the show. And this, this woman came up to me. And she, she started, uh, she introduced herself. And she said, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the mother of the, the opening act tonight. And so we started chatting. And then I mentioned the fact that, oh, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Thunder Bay. And then her eyes glazed. And she stopped talking for a second. And then all of a sudden, she kind of leaned in. And she's like, I have to tell you a story right now. Okay. So uh, I, I started listening. And she started to tell me this story about the, the, uh, an occasion when she was moving back from the West Coast to her home in the East Coast by bus. And she had uh, two young kids with her. And she was, she was escaping uh, an abusive partner. And so she was on this road trip. The whole trip, she's got two crying kids. People are screaming things like "You're, you're, you're an inept mother," and all these, all these kind of really hurtful, brutal things to say. And there's this guy just staring at her the whole time, and she kept describing this man's eyes, just staring, piercing into her soul the entire ride. And when, by the time she got to Thunder Bay, then uh, all of a sudden, she she lost it. Like she literally just handed her kids off to somebody she didn't know, and just went for a walk and had a good cry. And came back, and when she did, the guy was there, and he he gave her some 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 food and some snacks and some little cups, and and this is the part of the story that I can never remember because she said something in one sentence that alluded to the fact that he gave her these he gave her these snacks in her hand, and shared that they were his son's favorite foods, but in that same sentence she she was also able to convey that this man's son had died at a very young age. When she mentioned that part of the story, both of us are sitting in this empty bar, bawling. And I'd never had that kind of a connection with a stranger before. And so she, you know, she finished telling the story of how she, she got back home eventually. So the, the, the man who was staring at her the whole time, you know, she, she looked away for a second and he was gone. So she referred to this man as her ragged angel. And so I thought, oh my God, there's a song here. She beat me to the punch because she said that you know she's a songwriter herself, and so she'd written this song. And I said, "Okay, I don't want to hear it. Do you mind if I go home and write my version of of the song as as I've heard it here?" 
So the result was I went back to the uh, the little B&B that Greenbank and I were staying at, and I stayed up till 6 in the morning penning my version of the story as, as I had heard it. So the song Ragged Angels that you're going to hear now is... Uh, you know my recounting of her of her story which i've shared with her since and said she said that it made her cry all over again because it was just it you, you can hear it, it's it's me talking about the fact that we met in this sort of location and the, the moment that we shared together but i've never written a song like it before and i don't think I'm, i'll be able to write something like that again because i don't have <laughs> those kind of moments don't happen very often so yeah and there's just the yeah, the idea of love can be translated to just compassion between humans and the fact that someone may, who may have been scared about someone who was actually only trying to be helpful and was successfully helpful to somebody in their time of need when they needed it most. That's that's what that song's about. You've just given me my goosebump moment. Every interview has a goosebump moment. You just have to find it. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Jean-Paul Deruva joining us at Folk Music Ontario from the album Love. This is Ragged Angel. Thanks again. Thank you. And I'm Jan Hall. I was sitting at a bar all alone In a tiny town on the edge of the Atlantic The walls looked worn and the band hadn't shown Leaned in close and asked if the food was good and yes <laughs> Yeah, my belly was full I'd had too much and we struck up conversation You weren't from town but you looked like you belonged here I came from the west and when I mentioned my town your memory took you much farther away than neither of us And about thirty years back So there we were, me sitting and you standing While you shared your tale In the land of saints, oh simply good Samaritans soft and so I listened closely I leaned in to hear of the time you traveled east on a greyhound bus with two babes in your arms away from the man that threatened you harm you were better now at least better than that Bus was full of people, but only strangers. A man with dark and weathered skin kept staring. His eyes were the color of steel you shed, the same as the tap on the bar over there. I just listened to every word you said. You felt compelled to tell me But I'm glad you did The story of saints or simply good Samaritans It's hard to tell 
your children off to the only friend you made A ten minute walk and a shorter rush back You choked back a cry as you started to crack When a man appeared with something to give In his tan worn hands was a styrofoam cup The dirty print showed his life had been tough as he handed it over Saints or simply good Samaritans. <laughs> 